to listen for a word from the Lord from 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. And now in my bulletin, uh, under the New Testament reading, I see that I, I neglected a chapter reference. So yours is more than likely the same. It should read Philippians 2, 1 through 11. For we'll hear this morning Paul's words to the church at Philippi, beginning at the first and continuing through the 11th verse of the second chapter. So again, I invite you to listen. For a word from the Lord as it is there written. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. I give thanks to God for the divine providence that has led me and my family here to Rehoboth. Likewise, I also give thanks to God for the divine providence all along this journey. I've spent roughly a quarter century living a few hundred miles to the north of here, I have lived a roughly a quarter century of my life, a few hundred miles to the south of here, and while nothing, of course, can compare with this enchanted place, I have appreciated the opportunities I have been given to experience life elsewhere in the east. One of the things that sticks with me through these changes in latitude is the changes in language that go along with it. While not tremendous, there are certain accents and there are 
certain sayings that are unique to each region. In the South, for example, there was a phrase that was bandied around about a person who was judged to be overly proud of themselves. She's awfully full of herself, people might say. It's been some time since I thought about that phrase. It's one that you don't hear all that much, if at all, around these parts. But this, week, this week's reading of the New Testament text uh, brought me back to that phrase. For here Paul is warning his brothers and sisters in Christ against this very label. Don't be too full of yourselves, he says. And he illustrates then what it looks like to be the opposite in the example he gives of Jesus. Let the same mind be in you, he says, uh, that was in Christ Jesus, who though in the, he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. He humbled himself. If anyone ever had reason to be full of themselves, it was the only begotten of the Father, the one who was on par with God, as Paul says, the one who had equality with God. Despite this, Jesus chose the path that leads away from fullness of self, the path that allows one to be filled with God and God's Spirit. He emptied himself, it says strikingly in this text in verse 7, in this extreme act of humility, was an extreme act of obedience. Now it might sound a bit odd, well, laughable really, to be talking about humility in the days and the weeks leading up to a general election in this country. But as providence would have it, here we are. And this is the New Testament epistle reading suggested for today by the Revised Common Lectionary. Right here, smack dab in the middle of the media wars that grip our nation tighter and tighter. Every four years, the words of God in Holy Scripture ring out once again in a plea for Christians to be humble and obedient. Obedient not to idols, constructed in airbrushed public personas, nor in those fashioned by human hands, obedient not to the law, nor to a political ideology, nor even to a constitution, but obedient to Christ and Christ alone. Imitating the obedience we read of in Christ is the joyful response of the sinner whose captivity has been put to full and permanent closure. I find it kind of interesting that Scripture extends this call to humanity beyond the individual, to the corporate. I mean, it's one thing, after all, for Paul to say, hey, if you are 
a follower of Jesus, then you ought to be following the way of Jesus. Or as translated here, let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus. As we saw and heard Jesus act, that's the way you live out the calling which you have professed believing in. One might call this a a personal path of piety. But then it's another thing altogether to make demands beyond the individual and upon a group. Yet, the language the apostle uses here in his letter to the Philippians hints at this as his audience is not a particular person, but rather an entire fellowship that worships together in that city. It's the community of faith there which is held together by Jesus Christ. It is the body of Christ there which is charged to witness to the head of the faith by being his body in a manner that most fittingly imitates the way Christ's body behaved when he was alive in the flesh and ministering to mankind. And as we heard in our Old Testament reading, the call to humility is unreservedly made in the word of God to the people of God. In fact, this passage from 2 Chronicles was a call for a national response on the part of the Hebrew people. So what authors of both passages in the Old Testament and the New agree on and urge God's people to do collectively is to spend less time and energy absorbed in the endeavors of our own world and spend more time participating in the kingdom of God as it is being brought into being right here on earth. Now, we really ought not to be so surprised as it seems that running throughout the biblical story is a persistent theme of humility. Again and again, God chooses to do some surprising things through the surprising auspices of some surprising agents. There was the little boy, David, the runt of Jesse's litter, With seven older brothers, there was nothing at all outstanding about this humble shepherd. When it came time for a lineup of potential heirs to the throne of Israel, the big strapping specimens were all passed over for the one who hadn't even been invited to show his face for the lineup of potential regents. As we were reading recently in the Sunday school class, there was Joseph, another humble flock tender with a slew of older brothers. His dreams displeased and scared his siblings, so they got rid of him. But God had plans to use the one who was cast off. Mary, the wife of Joseph Nazareth, was a woman of no particular note, a young, ordinary bride, who received a visit from an angel with extraordinary news. She humbled herself in obedience to serve the will of God as the mother of his son. The author of this letter to the church at Philippi himself was a shining example of one who was very full of himself, 
until that moment when God, in the form of Jesus, came to him on the road to Damascus and emptied Saul of Tarsus from him so that he could then be filled with Paul the Apostle. And, of course, our greatest example is Christ himself, who put aside the robes of glory to put on the swaddling cloths of a baby in a rural cattle stall. What do you need to be emptied of in order to make room for the Holy Spirit residing within you? Maybe nothing. Maybe, maybe you're already as full of the Holy Spirit as you can be. But more than likely, maybe not. This holy house cleaning of humility is tough and tedious work, just in case you hadn't guessed. And just to be clear, this kind of work is impossible, entirely impossible, without the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. And the process of emptying one's self can bring sorrow. A little spring cleaning now and then, well, that's something that most of us can look forward to and even celebrate after we're done as an accomplishment. But when it comes to divesting ourselves of valuables that have a a good deal of material worth or even significant sentimental value, Well, that tends to be less pleasant and more painful. We are getting rid of parts of our psyche that we have spent considerable time and effort to create in this process. And there's a sense of loss and grief that goes along with saying goodbye to something that has become so familiar. While that's true, There has been promised to those who put their faith in Jesus that what is going to fill the space that we vacate inside ourselves is going to be far superior to that which had formerly occupied that space. When on that first Easter morning the women came to the place where they had laid him in a grave borrowed from Joseph of Arimathea, They were confounded and they were scared by the absence of their friend and their teacher, the Messiah. But we know that the chamber had been emptied to make room for the new age that was being inaugurated by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And the same is, I believe, true for the church. Just as there is emptying before filling, there is dying before rising. I have to admit that I've spent some time in mourning here at Rehoboth. This church is not the same as it was at the beginning of this year, in case you hadn't noticed. We have fewer in number on a Sunday We have fewer gatherings and special events. The session is considering a reduction in the number of times they meet each year. But despite all these changes, the spirit is still alive and at work. We have been humbled, if you like. And I, for one, don't like. But I truly expect 
that having been emptied of some things familiar to us, that we are being filled and we are going to be filled with some unfamiliar yet extraordinary things as individuals, yes, and also as a congregation. And I would add, as a nation as well. God has heard our prayers. The prayers that we here at Rehoboth began in earnest 11 months ago, seeking reformation for his church here at Rehoboth. And yes, he is answering those prayers in quite unexpected ways, ways that are challenging our willingness to further humble ourselves and become even more attuned to God's will for us and less our own will for us. Though such humility often seems antithetical to the nature of man and the way of the world, it seems to me to be very much in line with the divine nature as revealed in Scripture, in Jesus, and in the Spirit. So, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I leave you with this thought. From the early church bishop from North Africa, Augustine. He said, the strength of Christ created you. The weakness of Christ created you anew. The strength of Christ caused that to be which was not. The weakness of Christ caused what was to not perish. He fashioned us by his strength. He sought us by his weakness. This is the mind that was in Christ. The humility that has been set forth as an example for we who would claim to be followers of that name. And for that, we may surely say, thanks be to God.